this recording is on vision and sensory systems and perception. Sensory systems and perception have an influence on animal behaviour. Sensory receptor sensitivities reflect an animal's ecology and we can use receptors to predict the nature of that ecology. For example, an animal that lives in deep water where there is little light um, will have a very different sensory system to animals living on land where light is abundant. So the animal's environment gives us the first clue to how sensitive an animal's sensory system should be. The animal's behavioural repertoire, also called its etology, also gives us clues as to what sensory receptor sensitivities it will have. As behaviour becomes more sophisticated across species, so too does the information needed to control it and the information processor of the sensory organ itself. So we're mainly going to focus on visual senses um, and just give a little introduction to the other senses and how we, how many they are and how we classify them. So um, if we look at birds, birds have many complex behavioural abilities. Um, across different types of bird species we'll find different types of behavioural abilities. For example, birds migrate which requires particular sensory systems to allow for this, um, such as good hearing, uh, good vision. We can make inferences about certain abilities of certain animals due to their needs. Um, for example, geese need to recognise one another to be able to fly in formation. Um, and recently in neuroscience, there has been a focus on the behavioural repertoire of animals such as ravens. Um, ravens are surprisingly intelligent and have surprising abilities, such as studies have, well, anecdotes have said that ravens have been shown to press the 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 buttons at lights so they can cross roads and to to get food from the roads um so we there's there's a link between complex behaviors and sensation um we know that plants follow and grow towards the sun this is called phototropism this is a simple behavior but but requires a complex sensory machine so we should understand the start the, that plants have um, in terms of their sensory systems that detect light resulting in the growth or movement towards that light source, towards the sun. Um, this can also be seen in other animals um, with different types of receptors or we see in amoeba um, f uh, photoreceptors Another example of another animal example with different types of receptors are catfish and their whiskers. They use these to feel around in murky waters where light is is less abundant, they can't see as well, so they need these whiskers, which are called barbels, to feel around. 
Um, again, grasshoppers as well. Uh, their visual system isn't great. It doesn't need to be as well developed because why bother distinguish one blade of grass from another? Um, instead, they have excellent hearing and their ears are actually located on their front legs. So, as I was saying, how do we how do we um, calculate how many senses humans have? Well, humans live in, in complex environments that can change from one moment to the next. So we have to have a variety of different senses to adapt to fit into our changing environments. Um, there's no real consensus among scientists regarding exactly how many senses humans have. It's hard to really say. But there was an approach proposed by Aristotle. He said humans have five senses. Vision, hearing, touch, taste and smell. Um, but nowadays we would, most scientists would agree that Aristotle was wrong. That we have about nine differentiated sensory systems. And these are vision, hearing, smell, taste, touch pain, mechanoreception, temperature, and enteroreceptors. And we're going to mainly focus on vision in this. Um, some people obviously have more well-developed sensory systems than others. I might have better vision than some people. Some people might have better hearing than me. Um, and it varies between every individual. Um, so, perception defines what cues can be used. Each species is specialised in the range of values it can perceive. Um, and, for example, if we look at our ability to perceive light in the context of the full spectrum of light, we actually don't absorb too much of it. Um, and each species is specialised in the range of values it can perceive for each sense, for whether it's for for uh, vision or t for for hearing or for smell. Different species show different abilities in each sector. Um, a few examples would be that fish are more sensitive to blue light than we are, because blue light easily penetrates water um, birds and insects can see ultraviolet light which we don't see at all um, snakes can detect infrared light but not through their eyes uh, rather through their their skin and that's used to to hunt down prey it's 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 basically heat um, so then I mentioned these before um, Sensation comes from sensory input, and uh, sensors react to stimuli, which is energy that is transmitted into an action potential and sent to the nervous system. Now, all all organisms that have receptors don't don't have a a nervous system, so this isn't the case for for all organisms, but for us it is. 
um, and sensory receptors can be classified according to the type of energy detected and responded to. Um, for example, as I said before, mechanoreceptors uh, respond to hearing, touch and balance. Um, there's other types of receptors like that. We have electromagnetic receptors, um, which examples of those would be the photoreceptors and thermoreceptors, light and heat. We have chemoreceptors. Um, plants also show chemotropism, growing towards certain chemicals. Um, but chemoreceptors include smell and taste. And then we have pain receptors, which aren't as as well studied. We, we still don't know too much about it. We, we know that pain varies per individual. And it's hard to kind of gauge how much pain we're in by just by looking so there's there's more work to be done there um so then focusing on the vision and visual systems the complexity of vision is related to the animal's behavior within its ecosystem so if the animal is a predator or if the animal is potentially prey then you might expect that they have sensory systems that are designed and developed in order for them to be able to find food or to escape from being food. Um, across the animal kingdom we have differences in an animal's ability to detect depth. Um, some animals have no visual ability to detect depth and they rely heavily on monocular cues to depth. Um, also there's differences in the ability to perceive colour with some animals having no ability whatsoever and others having very broad range of ability to detect and discriminate colour. There's also a large difference in the level of detail that animals can see. High spatial acuity versus low spatial acuity. What does, um, what does an animal need to be able to see for it to function is really the question. Um, and that depends completely on the species. So if you had an animal which is a social animal, then you would expect, for, for example, that it would, it would have high spatial acuity to be able to recognize its conspecifics or even family and friends versus enemies. Um, and we depend heavily on our visual system, of course, to do that. Um, an animal may need to recognize the objects that surround it in its environments and these behaviors are increasingly sophisticated as 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 the requirements of each organism get more and more complex there's four basic classes of light controlled behaviors um, and they increase in complexity. So the first one, um, well, the first side, the 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 first one we have is animals whose behaviors are controlled by non-directional monitoring of ambient life, ambient light, um, which meaning their behaviors might be dependent on whether there is a light source present or not. So 
the difference between daytime and nighttime, for example, might be an important cue for these animals. And so the types of behaviours that would be dependent on non-directional ambient light could be the circadian rhythms of these animals um, during the day the animal is a lot more active than at night so when that light source is present it's doing something when it's not it's not um, but then again some animals if light's present it makes them visible to other animals they don't like this they might hide away so it's different that's but it's at a basic level it's whether light is present or not next we have um, behaviors that are dependent on the direction of the light source and that's called phototaxis animals that orientate their bodies or orientate their movements towards or away from a location or light source um, these types of animals might also control their their body to posture towards the direction of the light source um, and this is still a simple a simple behavior but there's still quite a few few animals that would have the sensory capacity to be able to locate and behave according to a location of a light source so it, it's it's still basic especially if in our opinions you know but it's uh, it's the next level so first one is basically whether light or not. Next one depends on the direction of light. Um, so next we have uh, tasks that might not be based on, on, on detail, on visual detail, but instead seeing some type of low level spatial resolution in their environment. So this level of detail is is, is basically on par with a very blurry image but it would still contain enough information to allow the animal to avoid obstacles so that the animal doesn't have to collide with every object that it sees and that is the next stage of of ability to being able to make a sort of map out um, animals can use this low level spatial resolution in order to be able to do something basic to to make their way around to avoid predators um to fly towards major landmarks to use the sun as as a uh, a navigation device um or the star the moon things like that and then finally we have higher level spatial resolution that's really getting a picture a visual picture of the things around us um, and examples of animals like this could would be animals that, that identify and discriminate between different mates and detect and evaluate potential mates based on this information. Um, some animals use visual information to communicate, e.g. Um, by changing its posture or changing whether it fetters or not. So that's a source of communication that's very visual. Um, it's visual in flamingos when they they sort of square up. It's uh, they they sort of raise their feathers on their back. 
Um, these these traits depend on the high level spatial information, the ability to really see what's around you and and notice changes in your environment. Um, despite yeah, or other than just just whether whether there's light or not, it's kind of taking into account every other step, every other level, and that's the fourth level. Um, the first two levels can kind of be classified into sensation, the direction of light and the whether light is present or not, that sort of sensation, you know where the light's coming from, um, or you, you, you know that light is there or not. Then perception is, is kind of doing something with this light, it's making an image for yourself and using the changes around you to to create an idea of what's happening um, these four types of light control behaviors are directly linked to the complexity of the biological system that underpins them um, so when we're talking about responding to light we're not really talking about anything that's just very sophisticated you know um, the, the single cell organisms can can respond to light um, amoeba uh, can respond to light it's not a very sophisticated thing but the receptors so those receptors might be embedded and might be connected directly to the part of the animal that responds to the light so all the processing is going on at the level of the sensory organ itself however all the information processing that's required in order to be able to recognize objects and recognize other faces, um, etc., requires far more sophistication, far more complexity. It requires a learning system and a large memory system so we can remember those faces that we've seen in the past, allowing us to distinguish between familiar and unfamiliar faces. Um, it also requires an attentional system so we we are being able to give our attention to one thing and to focus on the environment that you're interested in and ignore anything else that's not really relevant to the task it also needs a decision-making system uh, so once you've put your focus on what you've perceived um, that there's let's say something out there that you want uh, maybe like an apple out of the uh, other fruit in the bowl you, you need to make a decision that it's the apple you want um, that requires even more complexity even more sophistication um, so, so the combination of the learning the memory, the attentional system and the, the, the decision making system back up the behaviour that is associated with the ability to sense light and a brain or the cortex is really what's going to subserve those functions um, as we've kind of said in the animal kingdom vision is, is dependent on environment and evolution animals vision is is highly tuned to their environments whether it's in air in land or sea and while 
others supplement their poor vision with 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 their better senses so some animals may have very poor eyesight but may have excellent smell um so it really depends on your environment on 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 how your species has evolved to to suit their needs and we can study the complexity and the requirement of vision as a sense in organisms by studying the eye morphology of these organisms. So different organisms and different animals have different visual abilities resulting from different morphologies. Um, serving those different developed abilities are different types of eyes. So across the animal kingdom we see dramatic differences in each morphology from eye spots to chambers. Um, we have chambers, humans have chambers and correlated with these structures is the ability um, the visual ability of that particular animal. Some animals just have a pigment spot the the least complex form of an eye. Um, in this pigment spot the photoreceptors are laid out on the surface and they detect a light source directly and the nerve fibers are connected to some sort of motor system that allows the animal to behave according to the availability of light so whether it's it's on or off um, it's very quick it's it's, it's very simple um, then we have the next type of morphology which is a pigment cup which is similar to the pigment spot um, but it's sort of indented and it shows the beginnings of the eye really where light can penetrate in many different directions which can cause a change in the photoreceptors the more photoreceptors we have the more likely that an animal will be able to see in detail then animals can have an optic cup again it's another more complex where the animals have a way of restricting the amount of light that goes into these photoreceptors and typically we we have uh, types of animals uh, with the ability to move their eyes so their eyes can move towards a source of information which is the light source um, then we have an eye with the with a primitive lens uh, an example would be the subaquatic animal a marine snail uh, so it's got a protective layer of cells over the eye itself and that's where we start to see the beginning of a retina and the optic nerve in which all the, the visual information is sent to some other processing unit. And finally we arrive at the complex eye and octopuses are a good uh, um, way of studying this. They have very good visual abilities and respond to a range of different things um, including different types of objects and it's a lot more sophisticated than a lot of other types of animals um, we start to see the beginnings of a cornea, an iris, 
in which muscles can contract or dilate depending on the amount of light that goes in and we also see a refractive lens which controls the amount of light that goes into the chamber uh, the vitreous body um, which directly stimulates the, the photoreceptors that are along the retina um, so, so those are sort of the different levels of eye morphology and the different complexities and we see that eyes have evolved over the, the millions of years to, to reach where they are now but there's still organisms out there with very primitive eyes and that just suits their needs um, then there's there's very camera type eyes which is what we have uh, the, remain, the arrangement of the mammal, mam mammalian uh, ciliary muscles uh, allows for passive changes in lens thickness the fish eye has a, a spherical gradient lens um, Brooks muscles attached to bony ossicles in reptiles and birds um, are in contrast to the mam mammal and fish eyes which actively change the lens and thickness um, and birds have an additional muscle which is called Crampton's muscle which can alter the shape of the cornea and in amphibians we also see the protractor lentis which moves a fixed shape lens closer or further from the retina for accommodation so again we see different types of camera types eyes that function differently um, the fly is is the is w the model organism that we use to study the eye that's told us a lot um, from from how uh, their eyes work so flies um, a fly has a compound eye um, and they're the most common to uh, form of eye they work by gathering several images one from each eye and combining them in the brain with each eye typically contributing a single point of information the compound eye of the fly uh, consists of thousands of individual photoreceptor units with uh, a single unit being called uh, omatidium and multiple units are omatidia um, and each omatidium looks at a different direction of the visual field and together this is how they form um, multiple inverted images and flies uh, have a, a repertoire of behaviours that are relevant in the development of technology Reichardt detectors in the fly are used to model motion perceptions for drones and uh, um, technolo technology um, we also learn obviously a lot about human vision by studying the, the circuits that underpin the fly's vision so humans and other primates have higher visual acuity than most members of the animal kingdom and visual acuity is necessary for spatial vision birds of prey have the highest visual acuity other animals seem less spatially aware than we are and obviously um, 
this is 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 to evolution this is how we've evolved we we've we've evolved to have the eyesight we do today and um, birds have very interesting visual systems more than half of bird species have been discovered to have a second fovea in each eye uh, one is called the rostral and one the central fovea the rostral is located towards the bill of the bird and this provides a greater field acuity in vision for localizing prey or food sources particularly at, at different distances so how do we how do we test visual perception well we test uh, visual perception uh, to behaviorally estimate acuity in animals um, the first step is to train an animal to discriminate vertical from horizontal gratings or from a uniform gray target uh, with the same average luminance then the second step is to use the optometer response which is stereotyped behavior which is elicited by placing an animal inside a rotating drum um, lined with vertical black and white striped pairs and the animal can track these pairs with its eyes or body and those uh, trackings are noted uh, the weight of the stripes is made smaller until the animal can no longer distinguish the targets from each other or ceases to track stimulus rotation and the measure of acuity is the finest stripes the animal can reliably distinguish um, in sight